Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through the Final Four and the championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carne Asada is contributor to Clutch Points, Joey Mistrada. Did I pronounce that correctly, Joey? That's correct. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I probably should have asked you that first before I butchered your uh, your name, but I'm glad that I did it correctly. Uh, so, Joey, uh, let, let's hey, get right enough, into it. Enough. So, we, <laughs> so we just had the opening uh, series uh, for the Dodgers. They, they split a four-game set with the Diamondbacks, and then they had two – with uh, the Rockies of Colorado, who we have already declared have been officially eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, and so our condolences to, to the Rockies fans. Um, I want to start off just generally, though. What were your biggest takeaways from that first home series, that first six games that the Dodgers had? Yeah, well, so the first thing I noticed, you know, opening day was really awesome to see. You know, you got Reeves on the mound. You got a lot of excitement. My biggest thing, I was in spring training for a few games. James Outman, he was all the buzz in spring training. He's who they were all focused on. And just the way, you know, he came out in that, just that first series and had so much poise. And I, I actually asked Dave Roberts about it during spring training. I said, what's been your biggest takeaway from Outman? You know, I was kind of expecting the same old, you know, like the talent perspective, but it was the poise, his mentality. And I think just seeing that from him, from Vargas, all these young guys, because that, you know, as you guys know, for the Dodgers, the biggest thing was a lot of new faces and a lot of young players. And that's not always been the case with the Dodgers, with Trey Turner, Justin Turner the past couple of years. So for me, to answer that question, you know, my biggest takeaway from that series, young talents coming along nicely. Well, I, I know, Alicia, you got an up-close look at friend of the Carnesada, James Outman. You were there the night that he had the true triples, right, Princesa? Yes, yes. And because he is a friend of the carne asada and he's been on twice, he's like double dipping everywhere. And I'm I'm grateful for it. <laughs> so grateful. Um, yeah, I was probably screaming super loud. You know, just like he he was here on our podcast, super poised, super chill. He just doesn't get too excited. And I think that confidence, I mean, he is, you know, walking the walk, right? I just, I'm so happy for him. And, you know, he's a newlywed. It's the first time at Dodger Stadium. Well, playing with the Dodgers, I should say. I just love that everything is aligning for him. 
all around me, by the way, they were cheering Altman. So I love that too, like the vibe for him. And look at what Joey started with. I mean, Altman is a star already in this town and, and I hope it just continues and continues. And and I would like to contribute that. Um, I was gonna start with the lights. I'm surprised, Joey, you're not impressed with the light show. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, was, I was too, I was too, but. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people, especially the visiting team, were upset with that light show. But yeah, definitely um, Altman is starting off so wonderfully, so powerful. And he exudes that kind of confidence when he spoke with us. So totally see it. Keep it coming. Um, the pitching, this these opening games, I'm super, even though we what lost, we. Notice how when we're winning, I say we. Even though the Dodgers lost a couple, it was not because of pitching, you know? So no. I'm very excited about our pitch. Again, our. The Dodgers pitching. <laughs> what say you, Joey? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, you know, we know who Julio Rios is. We know who Clayton Kershaw is. Um, Dustin May, I think, I really believe <laughs> Dustin May can be their best pitcher this year. And that's not to take anything away from Julio or Clayton, but I believe Dustin May has the ceiling. He's 25 years old. His stuff is just so filthy. He's got the hard fastball. We all know that, but he's getting control of his breaking pitches. You know, every breaking pitch he throws, a lot more confidence. Um, I, I really do believe he can be their best pitcher. And then Noah Syndergaard, you know, he came out strong. And um, the thing about Syndergaard, he signed with us, with us, I'm saying us now as well, with the Dodgers because he wanted to – he wanted to, you know, get that Mark Pryor effect and uh, figure stuff out. So I love that. And then I know we're talking about the first series, but also Michael Grove stepping in. He, that's tough for him because he lost the battle in spring training with Pepio, has to come out, and he looked pretty good as well. Wasn't, you know, he, uh, I think in the fifth inning, he kind of started to slow down a little bit. But um, overall, great pitching as always. That's what the Dodgers do. Well, you know, and just to clarify to, for everyone there, it turns out later on we found out that Michael Grove was actually sick yeah. when he, when he made that start. So it could be that in that fifth in that fifth inning, maybe yeah. his Ill, illness was starting to to impact him. But you know, Babyface and I talked about this in the last episode, Joey. The the starting, I mean, all the starts that they've gotten. You know, maybe you might throw out Michael Grove just because of that rough fifth inning that he had. But up until like all six games, they've had good starts from their starters. And now whether they can go ahead and keep that up, it's interesting that, you know, Dustin May, I think the question mark with Dustin May was still coming back from Tommy John. You know, last year, I don't think we saw. I think the big hope was that sooner, you know, maybe towards the middle of the season, he would regain that form that he had before he got hurt. But that first start that he had, it looked like he was already in, in midseason form. Um, like everything, I, I want to ask you, because I know people on social media were starting to lose their mind, this feast or famine trend that we saw uh, in that first homestand, where either the Dodgers were scoring double-digit runs or the Dodgers were just scoring one run. And that game on Monday, which is the game I think that you went to, Princesa, that 13-4 to game, I yeah. think everyone was convinced that the Dodgers were only going to score one run the next game because that's what, what was happening. 
Is it a concern to you, or is it just way too early in the season, that you have this feast or famine type offense because that, I think, is what caught up to the Dodgers in the playoffs last year was this inability to be able to to manufacture runs. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. Um, with feast or famine, what I, what I really want to see from them, and I think Miguel Vargas can help with this, is getting on base because I've been watching a lot of Cleveland Guardians games and Tampa Bay Rays games. Those two teams small market teams. And what do they do? They get on base, they steal bases, they make things happen. Now, are either of those offenses elite offenses? No, I wouldn't say so, but they don't really go through a lot of slumps because speed never slumps. And the Dodgers right now, these past few games, they've been relying on the long ball quite a bit. They're still getting on base at a decent clip at times, but as we know, when they get guys on base, they're not driving guys in. And that's been an issue now for the past year or so. Even more than that is uh, runners in scoring position. So I think just manufacturing runs the big thing. So to answer your question, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a concern, but it's something they need to emphasize. Whether, you know, I, I'm not a fan of bunting, but hey, if you got to bunt to get that runner over or sack fly, um, even one out or nobody out, runner out second, hit a ground ball to the right side, get him over. Little things like that can go a long way, and we'll see if they can make that happen. Babyface, do you have any uh, posit- last positive things you want to say to Joey before I turn to the dark side and, and talk about the, <laughs> the concerns with the Dodgers? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, I think you know, when we discussed the first series, you know, we had our positives and our, like, our negatives, and I think we continue to see more positives in these next two games with the Rockies, right? We saw... Jason Hayward, right in the limited time that he's been up, you know, he's had two home runs in two games. So we're seeing that as a positive. You know, Max Muncy had another home run. He had his first home run yesterday as well. And, you know, the pitching has continued. You know, Altman has continued to get his his big hits as well. So, you know, I think uh, for, you know, for the first six games, I think there is a lot of positives to take away from that. And, and, you know, hopefully it continues into this first road trip. We continue to see these guys to, to produce. The the hand is up. Yes, Princesa. <laughs> I was going to ask about Will Smith. Hello. Will Smith. I, Will mean, Smith. I forgot Will Smith, right? How many homes do you have? Three? I literally yeah. was not anticipating Three. Will Smith. And I got this from your Twitter, Joey. I was checking you out on your Twitter, and one of his tweets was like, Will Smith is so good. And you ain't lying. You ain't lying. <laughs> nope. But I'm just saying. Yeah, that was I after didn't... his third home run. I was very impressed. And, and you know why maybe I'm thinking why maybe I've kind of overlooked him? Because we've kind of expected that from Will Smith, right? We're kind of – Will Smith is one of the top – I'm going to say top two top two catchers, if not the top catcher in the game right now um, for me. And I think we're kind of expecting that. So, you know, seeing him do that, it's kind of like normal, right? You know, so seeing things like from Jason Hayward and Max Muncy, who we need to get back to that, I think – that's what kind of caught my eye, but of course, you know, Will Smith, you know, he's, he's just doing what he's proven out to do. He's, he's going to be, you know, the NL all-star this year, I think. All right. I'm, I'm going to put Joey on the spot right now, but he says, uh, let, let me, let me just put him on the spot and then yeah. I'll go right back to you because I hear, I mean, Babyface just said that Will Smith is the top two catcher. Can you please explain to me why JT Realmuto is always listed ahead? Because I think Babyface just said something. I I feel like Will Smith is, I, I like, and I'm guilty of this too. I sleep on the guy. 
But I just, I feel like that dude delivers and he does a good job. And and maybe it's just because I don't watch enough Phillies games. But why is JT Romuto considered that much better? Is it just because he's done it longer than Will Smith? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the same thing with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. People were hesitant to put Otani in front of Trout for a long time. And finally, Otani made it impossible for them not to do that. So with Real Muto, I believe he's just been so consistent for a long time that people automatically put him in front of Will Smith. And people somehow get Wilson Contreras in that conversation, which don't get me started on that, but Will Smith is a better catcher than, than Contreras. No offense to him. He's fine, but you know, Will Smith is uh, better than him. So I think with Real Muto, you know, I, I would agree. I think Will Smith is maybe just as good, if not better. But it just comes down to that Trout and Otani type of thing where now Otani is generally regarded as a better player. But for a long time, people were holding on to Trout, even though Otani was doing things we've never seen done before. Okay, Princesa, I digress to you. I was just going to say what you just said because uh, Babyface said we expected that from Will Smith. And I'm like you, Juan. I sleep on Will Smith. Uh I slept, I should say. What I shouldn't just use that at all. That sounds inappropriate. Um, I You're going to get not... slapped. You're going to get slapped for that. I'm like, wait, let me, I, the more I try to fix it, it doesn't sound good at all. You know what I'm saying. I did. I just, uh, it's not that I don't like Will Smith. Hello, he's easy to like and he is pretty consistent, but I just didn't expect it. And what do we have to do to get him more love? Like you guys were saying, like, I don't know. Uh, is he too nice? Is that just it? He's not a villain? Is is that what? Because I, everyone hates the Dodgers, but he's well, just a nice guy. <laughs> he, he was he was a villain in the WBC, if you remember, right? When he didn't, uh, he didn't, Randy, he didn't, when Randy Russell, he didn't acknowledge Randy Russell so he got he got some oh, heat back. No, Why but you know, shit? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You're you're right, Alicia. In this sense, I do think that Will Smith is kind of nice. Okay, so I'm at the game on Sunday. I go into the clubhouse after the game, and it seemed like everybody was pissed. Right? They lost that game two to one. It seemed everyone was pissed. And why was it that Will Smith was the only one that dealt with the accountability? He was the only player everyday player that talked to the press after the game. We didn't hear from anyone else in that because it was like the clubhouse was completely empty. I mean, we didn't hear from Bruzdar, who had a rough game that day. So I, I will give Will, will Smith credit for that. Like, he's sitting there taking the, like, the blows for everyone else's mistakes in that game because Will Smith played well in that game. So maybe he does need to get a little more uh, black swanish or something like that to try to get like more attention. But I do have to re respect and admire him for the fact that he was able. He'll talk to the press and he'll take the tough questions, and he didn't throw anybody under the bus. He still was supportive of everyone. So yeah, maybe maybe we need to start throwing a little more respect on on Will Smith's name, right? Some respect on that. <laughs> uh, Joey, uh, I completely agree. I, I'm gonna. I'm I'm known for being the prince of darkness in this, so I'm I'm gonna go negative. I'm gonna give Alicia one more chance. Do you have any other more positives that you want to throw at Joey before I go black swan? Well, 
No. <laughs> no. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm just excited. Okay, can I just say that? You know, I'm a very, I don't get into the, the nitty gritty. I don't like, you know, chomping on stats the way you guys do and regurgitating <laughs> stats. But I do pay attention to the crowd, right? And is, Joey, you, you were there. I mean, was opening day not what it's supposed to be? How much does our city love our Dodgers? I mean, sold out. It, 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 everybody was in such a good mood. It was a night game and people were still cheerful. I was worried that that extra traffic because it was a night game would be a problem, but it seemed to be not a problem at all. The Dodgers, again, know what they're doing. And it was just an exciting night and all kinds of love. And, and I didn't see any fights. It was wonderful. What do you think, Cody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the thing that tells me the Dodgers fans are great Opening night is one thing. Everyone's excited. There's people There's people at the Oakland Coliseum for opening night, believe it or not. But <laughs> the Dodgers, the Tuesday night game, chilly, it, it's cold, and there was still a bunch of fans there. I think it might have been a sellout. If not, it was really dang close. So that's what tells me this fan base is so passionate, is that even in April, Tuesday night game, it's 55 degrees, 50 degrees. People are at the game, and that's why Dodgers fans are the best. Amen. And I need to have you here on record. Um, is it true that there is a total bias against LA, LA fans and the Dodgers? I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. No, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I would say there probably is, but you know. That's okay. I gave you an out. You don't have to. I just wanted to put that out there because we see you. <laughs> we see you. Uh, but uh, I, I will now defer to you, Juan, but I'm going to add to your darkness. Look at him. He's getting ready. He's getting ready. <laughs> My dad is already <laughs> looking at what's going wrong. And I'm like, Dad, just enjoy the beginning of the season. And, you know, my love for my Dodgers is because of my father and my relatives. He is all over Muncie. He's like, he can't play third base. Ah. We got to move, you know, Chris Taylor, and he's already rearranged the whole, and I'm like, oh, no, is this what it's going to be like the rest of the season? We're doing pretty well. <laughs> well, go ahead, Juan. Take it away. <laughs> that is a perfect segue, and I, I will defer to El Rey del Valle, you know, because you just can't help it, and that's actually, he led me to what I wanted to talk about, and that's Muncie. There's actually a couple of people, and the thing is, it seems that Muncie is the whipping boy. The claws are out for Muncie, and it's because I think of what happened last year. Now, people tend to forget that the second half of last year, Muncie actually played a lot better than what he did. It's just if you look at his overall numbers from last year, he was under the Mendoza line. So a, a lot of people are targeting Muncie, and I know here are here's the, the to me the most alarming thing about Muncie and I want you to talk me off the ledge Joey uh because Muncie's a friend of the Cañasada, so we're rooting for him but Muncie is hitting 150 I know he hit a home run the other day but here's the one that just alarms me the most he has 20 at bats that so far this year he has struck out 11 times and I know that he had a game it wasn't a golden sombrero. For those of you who are unaware, three strikeouts in a game is a hat trick. Four is a golden sombrero. 
Muncie had a platinum sombrero. I didn't even know there was an option above golden sombrero. So when people were saying that he had a platinum sombrero, I was just like, okay, so almost half of his strikeouts came from one game. Is it reason to be alarmed about Muncie's slow start? Yeah, I mean, Muncie's tough. Muncie's tough because we know what he's capable of. Like he has such a high ceiling, that power. But here's the thing. With Muncie, I thought with the shift, the shift going away, I thought uh, you know, he was going to figure things out. And the reason – I'm going to answer your question. I think the reason you can remain optimistic is because he's still getting used to seeing – two infielders on each side of the bag <laughs> the past few years, you know, he's had to deal with the crazy, you know, Machado's playing shallow, right? Like, what are we doing? So I think just getting used to seeing that I could really see Muncie finding his rhythm, maybe in June, maybe July. Got to be patient. That's the biggest thing is just be patient. And that's one thing about Dave Roberts. He's endured some criticism, but he also will stick with his guys if he believes in them. And I think the same thing can be said about Chris Taylor. I'm sure we'll talk more about him. But, you know, with those two guys, especially Muncie, though, just remain patient, give him a shot. And if it's if it's August and he's still stinking up the joint, that's one thing. But for now, one weekend, we can be patient. All good. I, I also think people should just cut Muncie some slack because he took one in the nads and he had to miss a game uh, because of that. Uh, for those of you who were listening yep. to our last episode, uh, after the game, uh, actually before the game, Dave Roberts was a- unable to confirm to us whether Max Muncie wears a cup. Now, the fact that he plays third base, if he's not wearing a cup, he is much braver than I am. Um, but he was a little sore the next day, and that's why he didn't play. Uh, Joey, please answer the most controversial question that I think we have on this show do you wear a cup if you're playing Enfield in the ma- in Major League Baseball? <laughs> I mean, I wore a cup in like Little League, so I think you should wear a cup in Major League ba- Baseball. That's, that's for dang sure. <laughs> uh, Princesa, does that make you uncomfortable that we have cup talk uh, on the Bleed Loss podcast? Like, I'm very curious to to. Th- I mean, do you think it's crazy that he's not wearing a cup playing the hot corner? What are your thoughts? I do think it's crazy that he, if he is not wearing a cup, because we all know how quickly you all go down. So um, (laughs) I'm more, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a very serious situation. I hope he's okay and everything's recovered. But I, yeah, it's crazy to think that he doesn't wear one, especially playing third base. And I'm more offended that you didn't ask me if I was a major league baseball player, would I wear a cup? And my answer is yes, absolutely. I would. I did not wear one in Little League, but <laughs> that that was my next question. You just beat me to it. You you got to have patience with me too. I got to be like hey, Robert, uh, Babyface. Are you <laughs> Babyface? Are you concerned uh, with Muncie, or do you think like Joey? Hey, he'll be fine once the summer comes around. Because if that's the case, that's what Muncie did last year. Once the summer started heating up, he started heating up. Yeah, I mean, the strikeout is a little concerning, but like you said, he had five in one game. Because Muncy doesn't yeah. usually strike out a lot, right? He's usually a high walk guy. Um, That's why it he, surprises me. But he he has been hitting the ball hard, right? He, he Prior to that, he was hitting the ball hard and 
you know, just right at somebody, right? Wait, are you and saying then, he was hitting the ball hard or he got hit in the balls hard? What are you saying? He got, <laughs> well, he got both. Thank you. Two shows <laughs> nightly at the Pacoima Hilton, everyone. Thank you. But he's been hitting, he's been hitting the baseball hard and putting it in play. And then, you know, uh-huh. he got the home run last night. So I think, you know, rule of averages, right? He's going to eventually start getting those hits, right? When he hits it hard, he's going to, it's going to fall. Unless, you know, they start doing that weird shift that they've been doing on Joey Gallo and they're putting their left fielder in right field, right? So, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think he'll, he'll even out and, and, and start getting those hits. Uh, Joey, you mentioned another person that seems to be on Dodger fans' hit list, and that's Chris Taylor. And it's kind of the same narrative that we have with Max Muncy. Chris Taylor did not have a good season last year. He didn't have a good spring this year. He was striking out a lot in spring. Now, if you look at him, he's only striking out a third of the time, not half the time as, as Muncy is. But Chris Taylor's hitting 071. Now, one of the things that I found interesting was before the season started in the last, in the freeway series in spring training, Dave Roberts said, you know, the outfield is crowded. So the people that are going to get paying, playing time are the people that are performing. The fact that the Dodgers are starting to get a little uh, like knickknack injuries, like Miguel Rojas is nursing something now with his foot. Uh, we don't know what's happening with Miguel Vargas's finger. Remember, I, before I digress to my question, I just want my point, babyface, because you and, and contributor Jason Barquero made fun of me when I said, why are the Dodgers letting Miguel Vargas hit? When he had that issue with his hand in spring training, wouldn't they be afraid if he got hit in the hand in spring training? And what happened? He got hit in the thumb during the regular season. So, I mean, it, it wasn't, wasn't outlandish. It wasn't in spring training. And look what happened when he when he was taking pitches. It improved his walk rate. Yeah, but now he. I, all I'm saying is you guys were poo-pooing it, saying there's no way that could happen, Juan. That's such a freak accident. Look, it happened in the it, regular season. It, no, but you see, your point is wrong because you're saying him standing there not doing anything. He was he was already batting, swinging the bat, like we told you. He could be up there ready to hit and get hit, and that's what happened. Exactly, so that's what I was so saying. Your point, so your point is denied. Okay. Oh, wow, whatever. But, Go ahead, Juan, are you saying that it's because of his stance in the box, like he's not moving, or just in general, like no, no. When I first brought it up in spring training, like people, they didn't have a problem with him just standing in the batter's box, even though he couldn't swing the bat. And my thing was, I was like, hey, I don't know if I would take that risk in spring training because oh. what? And because it would happen with Justin Turner. A few uh, years ago in spring training, he took one off the wrist, and then we missed him for the first two months of the season. So what I was afraid of is that Miguel Vargas was going to get hit in spring training (laughs) instead of just waiting until he was healthy. All I'm saying is I want my point because it could have happened. It didn't happen in spring training. Unfortunately, it happened in the regular season. I digress. I hope that this doesn't become a a lingering injury for him. I hope it's just something that he's swollen. Go ahead, Princesa. Well, maybe Joey could speak to this too as well. So I was at that game when he got hit and the the sound that reverberated through the stadium was like, <gasps> like, whoa, no, like all of us stood up. You know, it was really scary because of what he yeah. had already been through with the hand. So then I started reading the next morning and there are some experts who say that it is because of the way he bats, that he does not okay. turn his back. 
you're supposed to turn your back. You're taught that and you I, I'm hoping they were saying that that's a lack of like veteran um, guys, I guess, telling the young guys. I don't know any of that, but the mechanics supposedly from what I read was Miguel Vargas is supposed to turn his back if it's too inside and he just stands there. He doesn't know how to pull weight. Did you hear or read anything about that, Joey? Well, that is correct. I mean, that's something you're taught, you know, like I said, when you're very young, turn your back. But the thing about being in the big leagues is it's hard to turn your back because you got curveballs that start at your face and they end up down the middle. So you just have to be able to read the spin. If it's a fastball coming out your, you know, coming out your back, yes, absolutely, you turn your back. But um, I have heard some stuff about that. I think Miguel Vargas should know that. I assume he does. He's an MLB player. But um, it's definitely a good point. It's something to think about. Like maybe Freddie Freeman comes up to him and says, hey, anything inside, you know, we don't need you getting injured on the wrist. So be willing to turn that yeah. back quicker. Yeah, no, the, and, and that's what I mean is they were saying specifically he does not do that. So I have not studied his every at bat. But now I'm going to be watching. <laughs> and we should maybe hold this sign, like, turn your back. <laughs> no, I'm sure just getting. Miguel, turn sure your back. I know. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I cannot ever claim to be able to have that skill to hit a ball coming at you 100 miles per hour. That is just it blows my mind. These gentlemen are so talented. But uh I I'm just, you know, I we're all worried about Miguel. That's all. We just want him to be okay. And I'm sure getting deemed like that and you don't want to go through that again. If someone's already writing this about him, someone's telling him or in his ear, right. Or reminding him like, you know, or like you said, it was a pitch that he couldn't read or it's a, a tricky pitch. I, I don't know. I just want him to be okay. That's all. I, sorry to interrupt. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, I mean, the thing is, is these little, little in lingering, lingering injuries. And I mean, Alicia's uh, favorite player, Mookie Betts, you know, gave us a scare the other day because he collided with uh, J uh, Jason Hayward and, he said he turned his ankle just like it is in basketball. So this is what I was uh, going to ask you, Joey. The fact that now you had these lingering injuries, you might not have anybody to be able to play second base. So does this make the leash a little longer on Chris Taylor, even if he continues to struggle? Or is it time that we start considering, hey, if this guy can't hit, start if he's not making improvements by May or by June, is Michael Bush going to be a candidate to come up? Because it seems where the Dodgers are going to need help is on the infield because it seems like the infield's a little thin. Yeah, well, the greatest thing Taylor has working for him is his versatility. And you look at the Dodgers over the years, they love guys who can play multiple positions. Kike Hernandez comes to mind. Um, people like that. So I think Taylor, you know, he's going to have a chance to be on this team, whether it's as a platoon as a backup, I think he's going to be there because even if Chris Taylor continues to struggle offensively and, uh, you know, he might be below average for, you know, a starting player, he can still be a fairly reliable, almost like a sixth man in basketball in a sense, you know, like that guy off the bench, that utility man. So, but like you said, Michael Bush, he's a good young prospect and the Dodgers, just a little tangent here, but the Dodgers, they maintain the best prospect capital with teams like the Orioles, like the Guardians these smaller market teams that have to draft somehow the Dodgers just stay with that. So props to Andrew Friedman, but anyway, back to the point, Michael, 
Michael Bush, all these young prospects, they will have a chance to get up there and make some noise. But I do think Taylor will have a spot on this team no matter what because of that versatility. So uh, another guy I wanted to ask you about that uh, I'm starting to hear a little bit of uh, rumbles, and I, I want to see if you feel the same way, is uh, J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez was supposed to replace Justin Turner's production, right? So there was a lot of people that are like, oh, you're not going to lose much because their numbers are kind of the same. Well, what's alarming to me is that J.D. Martinez is hitting 217 on, on so far in the young season, but here's the alarming thing. And it's speaking to, I think, a larger part with this lineup. Uh, J.D. Martinez has struck out 10 times in 23 at-bats. So like Muncy, J.D. Martinez is striking out almost half the time, and he's in the middle of that lineup. So are any concerns with J.D. Martinez? And are you concerned at all at the number of strikeouts this early in the season? season with this Dodger lineup are they is it just too soon is it the fact that maybe they didn't get enough work in spring training are, are the number of strikeouts alarming to you Joey well it all goes back to feast and famine really um that's why we're seeing feast and famine because they're not getting runners over they're not having productive at bats and as a result you're seeing a lot of strikeouts runners left on base and that's been the main issue for the offense. That's why we'll see a 13 to four game, but then they'll lose two to one. So with JD, JD's a really smart hitter. I did get the opportunity to speak with him in spring training. And he was telling me, or he was telling everybody that he was having an issue last year in the second half of the season. He said he was just dropping his back elbow when he was swinging. He called it the pumping up, which got a good laugh from all of us reporters. But um, he was just dropping that elbow, dropping the shoulder, and it wasn't squaring up the baseball. So the fact that he was able to identify that, and now he's got guys like Mookie Betts, like Freddie Freeman to talk hitting with, I do think, again, I think J.D. can be okay. And this isn't me just being optimistic. I truly do believe in Muncie and J.D. because they're legitimate, bona fide veteran hitters, and I think they can figure it out. Now, the question is, will they be all-stars? Maybe not. But I think they can still be productive enough to help out this Dodgers lineup. And the strikeouts, hopefully – will start to subside as the year goes on. Uh, Princesa, I want to get your thoughts on the comment that J.D. Martinez uh, took some heat from on opening day when they asked him if he was excited about his first Dodgers opening day, and he made reference to opening day at Fenway. And I know that ruffled a lot of Dodgers fans uh, because they're just like, hey, bro, you don't play for the Red Sox anymore, okay? You play for the Dodgers. Were you okay with uh, J.D. Martinez's response, Princesa? No, I was not. Not at all. Because <laughs> you know how I feel about especially <laughs> Boston fans, okay? I'm a little older, Joey. So I come from the era where L.A. and Boston, we were not friends. And um, I've been to uh, Fenway twice, respect for the stadium and the fans and loyalty. But like Juan just said, you're a Dodger now. And I just feel like a lot of people who aren't from here, who don't go to Dodger games, who don't spend time in real LA, not, not Hollywood LA, they don't get it. And it's so easy to poo poo. You know, I hear a lot of comments, oh, LA has no culture. LA doesn't have sports fans, really? because Dodger Stadium sells out every year more than any stadium in the country. It's like, I stopped counting at 10. So 
I don't, I don't want to get too worked up. I could spend the rest of our time together, Joey, talking about this. But to answer your question, Juan, no, I didn't like it. But I also thought, well, maybe he just didn't know what else to say, say because it was his first. Maybe he didn't, I mean, think about it. I would have thought about it if it was me. Um, and I, I also think that a lot of baseball players, they, they give general answers. And why not just give us a general answer? I'd rather have the good old baseball answer than something alluding to the team you used to play for, especially Boston. But I'm going to forgive him for that because now he should know. Now he better look around and see the love and passion and the dedication that a Dodger fans have. And as he travels with the Dodgers going to stadium to stadium, he'll see how many of us go and follow the team. And we're in every stadium, every town. So that's why everyone hates us. <laughs> uh babyface are uh, any uh what are your early thoughts on jd martinez well real quick though i mean we kind of saw that with jd remember when we saw him at the mookie event and we asked him kind of about about the fernando and and he really wasn't well versed with la i guess right at that time that's kind of what we took away like you know he's definitely i mean to be fair he is from florida so yeah. i can i'll I give mean, him a pass on not knowing the valenzuela story but it's not a good way he's not, he's not getting off on a good foot there yeah but i mean so so with him with that answer that's kind of how i took it like you know he doesn't really know la you know closest he's been here is when he played with arizona right so so it, it is what it is but you know as far as you know you know, I guess yeah, it is. I guess surprising. You know, that the the strikeout rate is kind of you know half. You know, half he's striking out half the time. Um, but he is kind of he is kind of one of those guys, right? He's gonna either get a, a hit or a home run, or or he's gonna strike out, right? I mean, that's kind of what we kind of expect from JD. I'm hoping the strikeouts do go down, and you know, he starts, you know, the Jeff Stingers, right? His, his his nickname JD, right? So I'm hoping you know you know it's early, right? Six games in, you know, as they're getting settled in. You know, we'll, we'll see those numbers kind of the strikeouts decline and, you know, those hits kind of go up more. In other I, words, don't panic, Juan. Don't <laughs> panic. Hey. Joey, it, tell him it's a long season, Joey. Tell him it's a long season. It is a long season. <laughs> who, who is the most knowledgeable baseball person that you know, Alicia? El Rey del Valle. And if <laughs> Rey del Valle is concerned, I, it's okay for me to be concerned, even though it's still the first week of the season. Joey, I want to digress to this. The Dodgers still have not named a closer. Uh, eventually, do you see them naming a closer? Or do you continue to, or do you expect them to have this bullpen by committee just playing matchups the whole season? Yeah, so I've been I've been pretty often, or uh, I guess positive in my answers with like, you know, supporting JD and Muncie. But with this one, I don't get why teams do this. A lot of teams, it's not just the Dodgers. A lot of teams, they want to go closer by committee now. It's like they're scared to commit to a certain arm. Maybe they're, I, I don't know what it is, but all I know is Evan Phillips was impressive last year. And I, you know, I really like, there's a guy named Alex Reyes who's injured right now. And I think he has closer potential. Um, obviously, Gratterall. There are so many potential options, you know, who could close for this team. And the question is, who's going to get it? Now, they could still name a closer, but I kind of wanted to see them name somebody. You know, I really think Gratterall has the highest ceiling as a closer. Um, but there's so many different names you can go with. But, uh, yeah, that's the one thing I don't like, and I hope they figure that out. But for now, they're going by committee, and it's it's been okay so far. But I just know that as a baseball player, you like knowing your role. 
like position players, they like knowing their role typically. Um, starting pitchers, they like knowing who's the ace. So bullpen, who's the closer? Who's the guy? Who's the eighth inning guy? Who's the seventh inning guy? Who's the left-handed specialist, you know? So uh, hopefully they figure that out. But for now, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they might name one. If somebody runs away with it, I could see Dave Roberts saying, okay, you're the guy. We'll roll with you. You know, I, I love it because La Princesa brings the heat on our chat. And, and yesterday, on uh, Tuesday's game, when they were up 5 nothing, and all of a sudden it started getting a little dicey and they had to bring in Evan Phillips, La Princesa was like, it shouldn't have been this close. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to the ninth inning, Princesa, I mean, who do you have the most confidence in? You know, I really like Evan Phillips. You know I do. We do. Do yeah. we not like Evan Phillips? He's a cool dude. He was great on our podcast. He's also a friend of the Carne Sala. So, you know, we got his back. I don't have an answer to that. What I tell, what I always defer to, what I don't want to be put on the spot is what? Oh, we lost Joey. I'm uh, sure he'll, he'll be back. I think he was very offended by your answer, Pintessa. I know. Sorry, Joey. Is he related to Evan Phillips? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about him. I, I'm going to say that I don't have the answer. Just when I think like, oh, Gratterall, you know, I still think the Dodgers know what they're doing. I'm always going to defer to that. When I don't want to uh, bet on, on my horse, I just say, hey, I trust what the Dodgers are doing so that I don't have to be, um, I don't have to put it out there. <laughs> uh, Babyface, uh, I don't know if you've heard from Joey, if he's going to join us back on, but uh, j let me ask you this, Babyface. Uh, are you, it seems to me like Gratterall just is throwing. Do you get that vibe? Like he's just, and maybe it's just because of his, his unorthodox windup. But I feel like he's throwing and he's not necessarily pitching. Uh, am I off on that? Um, I mean, it's always kind of looked like it, Radderall. To me, it doesn't look like he's actually, like, forcing the throw, right? He's always, always kind of been real smooth and kind of – and it, it just goes 100 miles an hour. But, I mean, I think yeah. that's kind of been the thing with him. It's like he throws hard, but does he really, like – you know, get the placement of it right in the right spots, right? Like when he needs to. I think that's kind of been his thing, and that's kind of what he needs to develop to get into that closer role, I guess. So I think, uh, you know, just seeing that, I mean, and, you know, his appearance the other day, right, he was kind of, I mean, he wasn't effective at all, right? It was kind of like, yeah. what did he give you? He gave a couple runs, right, or one run in that inning, right, in that, in that ninth. He, right? he should have gotten more runs, but Alicia Del Valle's Mookie Betts saved him. Uh, the yeah. second baseman playing right field. It's got a pretty good arm. You're going to start something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get all of your guys' opinion on this. And I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they had asked uh, Max Muncy about the Anthony Rendon situation. Uh, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the Anthony Rendon situation, uh, there was some video of him uh, uh, having an altercation with a fan. He was grabbing the fan by the shirt, and he took a swing at him, and he missed. But he ended up getting a four-game suspension. And I thought Max Muncy's comments were very, very interesting on it. But basically, Max Muncy had Anthony Rendon's back. And he he was just like, look, he, he gets it. He knows that Rendon made a mistake. But I thought it was really interesting that he said that that situation would only happen in Oakland 
because the way the stadium is set up in Oakland, the visiting uh, play, uh, team, when they leave the dugout once the game is over, they have to go through the stands to get to the locker room, which seems like an extremely bad idea. So why they have not fixed that in Oakland, I don't understand. Um, but I'm curious to see, uh, hear your guys' thoughts on, is it, be, uh, you know, Muncie standing up for a fellow player? I don't know. I mean, from what we, we hear on the video, the fan called Rendon a bitch. And if that's all he called him, you would try to think, you would believe that maybe Rendon should have a little thicker skin. I mean, I'm sure he's heard worse, you know, throughout the season. Um, Joey, since you you are the guest of honor, what are your thoughts on that whole Rendon situation and Max Muncy coming to defend Rendon? Yeah, I actually have a theory on that. So with Rendon, you know, he was 2019 World Series champion, uh, MVP candidate, just an absolute superstar. Comes to Anaheim, and it's been, you know, less than stellar to say the least. So I think with him, this might just be him blowing off some frustration. Um, it's been a frustrating couple of years with injuries and underperformance. And uh, I'm not saying that's why he grabbed a fan's shirt and did what he did. But I just think, you know, the fan calling him that word. And, you know, I guarantee it was more than just that. Like, There's probably fans heckling him the whole game and probably just, you know, got to him. And uh, he lost his cool. I think with the in regards to Muncie coming to his defense, that's just players having each other's backs. There are fans out there, as we all know, who go overboard. And as like, we're all human beings, players are human beings, believe it or not. And they, you know, might feel sensitive at times. And um, I think that's just Muncie having his back. And I don't blame Rendon for getting upset. At the same time, you know, you do have to be a little more cool-headed. And the last point I want to make here is Oakland is – the field is just not good. And you're right. Like that clubhouse. You know, you, you got to have an entrance from the dugout. You can't have them walking through the fans. Like there's – there's a high school field that have an entrance to the clubhouse. So that's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that's my last point on that. Just Oakland move to Vegas or get a new park in Oakland. Uh, Babyface, I know you're the president of the Marching and Chowder Society for Anthony Rendon uh, because he's all about that Hollywood lifestyle. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, when I first saw the video, I mean, could you – is there a video of when he was actually being heckled, right? Because some people, he, the guy I did not that see was, that. I, I didn't right? see the video. The guy right? saying, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, right? I mean, I don't know how, I don't even know how he reached up to grab him. The only video I see is like, he already has him, Ryan, he's pulling him, and then he kind of just like, like, you know, I don't know if he swipes at him or just pushes him away. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, obviously a player shouldn't put their hands on a fan, right? And, you know, it is probably an overreaction on, on his part, you know, he let the moment get to him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's fans got to know kind of to, you know, okay, fans got to know when to kind of step back as well, right? And it's unfortunate that there are fans that will go overboard, right, and just try and heckle a guy and try and heckle a guy. And, and some fans are probably trying to do something like that, right? Like, imagine Rendon actually does something to him, pulls him over or slaps him or hits him, right? You know that guy would sue him, right? So, there might be fans that are just trying to do something like that to, you know, see what see what happens, push them as far as they can go. Well, that's why I found it odd, and I'm curious if any of you found it odd that none of his none of the other players like pulled him back 
or 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 did I miss that? Is there video of any of the players like holding him back or getting trying to get in between? Not not in that clip. No, I mean there's just somebody. I don't that, think so. Somebody just says something at the end, like you know, like I don't know, like knock it off, or I don't know, something. But it was real quick. Like I said, you don't really see everything that led up to it, and then you just kind of see that you know couple seconds uh, interaction, and that's it. I, I mean, it is true, and I, 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 the frustration. I mean, I, I think the the behavior in the stands is something that I think has been problematic. Now, there have been occurrences, and I don't know if it's fair to say because there's been a few instances to say that this behavior has consistently happened at at all stadiums. Uh, because for the most part, when I go to the games, it's kind of like event free. I mean, we talked about this with Desert Doyer when he was on the show that the Dodger fans have a certain reputation. They were voted the second worst fan base in, in all of Major League Baseball. There are other fan bases like the Philly fan. They're considered to be like, like horrible fans. Joey, I mean, is it accurate, do you think, to portray that fans' behavior at not only just baseball games but at most sporting events is unruly? It depends on the fan base. Um, you know, there's definitely fans that are more passionate than others. Uh, you could go anywhere, though. You know, you could go to Minnesota. Minnesota's known for having the nicest people, but there could be one jerk who says one thing and people can lose their minds. So, uh, I think it just comes down to people and fans and, you know, you get someone drinking too much beer, you never know what can happen. So uh, I think it's hard to label just one fan base as a bad fan base. Um, and that's why, you know, the Dodgers fans are having videos of fights at Dodger games, but there's been videos of that everywhere. So it's hard to label one fan base as more unruly than the other. I obviously understand that it does happen more at certain places, but in the end, you know, fans are going to be fans. And the, and as much as, you know, for that one bad fan, there's a hundred good ones who are just there to watch their favorite team play. I Before we wrap things up, I do want to get your opinion on this because Clayton Kershaw came out and said he loves the pitch clock. Uh, when we talked to him in spring training, he said, mm-hmm. you know, it, it didn't seem like he loved the pitch clock. He just seemed like he's like, like we're, we're used to it. But it is... I think it has now become official. I, I, I mean, the games are the length that they're going to be. Uh, I think that 13 to 4 game came close to coming to three hours. And I think that was probably, I think, the longest game so far this year for the Dodgers. Uh, the speed of the game, the fact that it is now a two and a half hour game. I mean, there, Sandy Alcantara, who was a villain on this show because he stole Julio Urias Cy Young. Um, through a game against the the Gemelos of Minnesota, and it was under two hours. Uh, do you, the speed of play, is that an issue for you, or what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, that Sandy Alcantara game was incredible. Hour 57 minutes. Um, you know, I personally, the baseball traditionalist in me doesn't like it, but as someone who wants to see the game grow, I love it. I've talked to a lot of friends, people who could care less about baseball, and they're more down to go to a baseball game because it's only going to be in a two-hour, 30-minute game. Now, as an actual baseball person myself, and as all, you, as all of you are, I think the one thing we can really take away from it is the actual pace of the game more than just how long the game is. 
for example, I used to be a broadcaster. I was calling college games, and I remember a pitcher throwing over to first base, picking off like six times and in that bat. And that really does slow down the game. So I think limiting pickoffs is the biggest thing for me that is really going to help the game go faster. Obviously, baseball traditionalists don't like that, understandably, but it will improve the speed. And then obviously the pitch clock itself, like you said, with Kershaw, I think the pitch clock is really going to help the game and it's going to get more people interested. And the people who hate it right now, they'll come to like it, I think, over the years. So um, before we end the show, I want to get uh, the princesa's take on a couple of things. Princesa, when you went, I mean, you went to two games during that last homestand. Did it feel quick for you? It did, but not dramatically the way some people are complaining about it. Um, I I defer to Joey. I agree with Joey. The Of course, I don't like any kind of changes because then I'm like, oh, no, you know, it's slippery slope. They're going to start putting a robot umpires, which there are often days I want them. But still, I love the game. I don't want to see change. But for the good of the game growing and to get younger people into it, I totally get it. Um, I will say that that the second game that I went to, Tuesday's game, um, or Monday's game, excuse me, uh, Julio Urias' bobblehead night. That's the game. Um, the, my neighbors were, were, my neighbors sitting next to us were talking about how fast the game is and how they felt rushed to get there. So I think that whole traffic thing in LA, like they're, they're used to getting there, having a three, three and a half hour game, and you can still catch six innings of a baseball game. Now they want to get there and they're making more of a concerted effort. And I was just listening. I didn't participate. I'm just eating my. <laughs> so I think that might be different for LA fans because we do have a special kind of traffic. But if you know this and you can get there in time, get there. I wasn't late to either game, knock on wood. So um, I think that is a concern for a lot of people that are used to the long games and used to their lifestyle. Because a lot of Dodger fans go to a lot of games, you know. No, absolutely. Uh, I also want to get, uh, we were talking about Anthony Rendon. So I want to get your take. Uh, can you report from the stands were there any events in the stands? Because, you know, we are the second worst fan base in all oh, of Major League Baseball. Oh, oh, oh. So the Cholos and the Narcos that you hang out with at Dodger Stadium, did they cause any incidents uh, that you were aware of? How dare you? If you are talking about security and entrepreneurs, then <laughs> yes. Yes. And everybody was in such a good mood. Everybody was so fine and... So as somebody who comes from hard news, it sells more to only print the bad stuff. It really does. It's just these generations of people that watch traditional news and read tra traditional media. They want to see the down and dirty. They want to see the blood. They want to see people being slammed to the ground and stuff like that. I shouldn't say want to. Maybe they expect it. No one wants to see making friends with your neighbors. No one wants to see strangers hugging one another, you know, in their Dodger caps, singing together, cheering together, doing the wave. I, I need to get Joey's take on the wave because, you know, I try to ask everybody. But we have some people that are really against it, hate it. And then there are others like me who are like, let the people have fun. Like, it's what is it hurting? 
you know, and I remember as a little kid, I loved the waves. So there are tons of kids who go to these games. Don't take that away from them. But yeah, um, I, I see only good at the past two games I've gone to all good, all love, everybody cheers, no tears. So, so where do you stand, Joey? Are you a wave person or are you anti-wave? So when I think of the wave, I think of that Kershaw video where he's going up out of the stretch and all the fans behind him go up. I, I absolutely love that video. I think that's incredible. Um, I think it's a fun thing, you know, like, you're, you know, especially when the game was longer, you're sitting there for a long time. It's something to do. I mean, I, I guess I don't have a strong opinion on it. I think if you like it, go for it. For me, if I'm really into the game, I won't do it. But if you want to do it, hey, be my guest. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Good answer there. All right, Joey, we're going to end the show the way we always end the show, since this is your first time on the show. Uh, the Bleed Lows podcast is about the Dodgers. We are about Los Angeles, and we are about tacos. So we want to know what is your favorite taco, and where do you go in the city to get that taco? Oh, shoot. That's a great question. Um, you know, I went to college uh, in La Mirada, which is outside of L.A., but – fairly close um closer to anaheim you know angel stadium but uh i would always go to this little taco truck and i can't remember the name of it but me and my buddies would go at like midnight go get some tacos got some carne asada in there always always a good choice i think it's the go-to uh and they were incredible you know like a couple quarters get a couple tacos great night <laughs> I so right it. there, you already said the right answer because you were, you got your tacos from a truck. Yeah. So at least you didn't, uh, you know, give us some, oh, you know, of course. you know, you got, you gave us a truck. Um, are you a corn or a flour tortilla man? I typically lean corn, but I'm not against flour. You know, again, Joey, you are like a veteran of this show already. I mean, you give all the right answers. It's like you're a politician. You should just run for office right now. Um, carne asada is your favorite protein? And maybe that will. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, yeah, I got to say yes at this point, right? I'm giving all the right answers. We'll go carne asada for sure. You don't ever feel adventurous and feel like, hey, I'm going to try a meat that I have no clue. Like, what is lengua? You mean it's tongue? I'm eating tongue? You never uh, venture out there? It's a little scary. A little scary. <laughs> I, I think I have in the past uh, in college, you know, some crazy nights. But, well, no, I think we'll stick with carne asada for sure. <laughs> All right, there you have it. So, uh, please let the our uh, one more by the princessa. Go ahead, princessa. I just love so on his bio he said, um, I was going to ask him because on your bio, Joey, you list I'm from a small town in California, and I was curious, but I don't want to put you on the spot. We know where La Mirada is, absolutely one hundred percent. Be proud to be from La Mar La Mirada. Um, <laughs> I know exactly well, where not, it is. I'm not actually from, I'm not from La Mirada. That's where I went to college. Oh, you went to college there. Oh, shoot. There's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. So now so we need to know where okay. you're from, though, Joey. <laughs> now I put you I am, on the uh, spot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from, you guys might have heard of it. I'm from Lake Arrowhead. Yes. That really oh, okay. Of course. Yes, yes. No, you're fine. Still, yes, we yeah. know where it is. And, so you're uh, a mountain a person then. Yeah, you're, you're a mountain person. Wow, I think that's the first mountain person we've had on the show. Yep. So Joey's born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Joey, where can our listeners, uh, our viewers follow you to get all the coverage that you do? Because you, you cover multiple sports, right? Yeah, I, I definitely focus on baseball, but I do basketball and football. Um, you can, you know, clutch points. We're trying to grow our baseball content. Uh, for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Joey Mistretta underscore. You can follow me on Instagram, Joey underscore Mistretta 24. Um, and those are my main outlets, I'd say, for social media. All right. So uh, before we let you go, this is very important. Are you an Alicia Del Valle Laker or are you a babyface Clipper? Not a Clipper. <laughs> I'm going to so, say 24 because you have 24. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a Laker. Uh, <laughs> well, so you're a babyface Clipper? I you're a babyface Clipper? Because, um, I'm a babyface I played some basketball in high school, and I loved watching Chris Paul, all those okay. guys, uh, the, the Lob City. So that's why. But uh, I love 24. I love Kobe, obviously, you know. So, But, yeah, I lean Clipper. Good cover. Good cover. All right. Man. Well, you know, you were doing so good, Joey. It sucks that uh, you, you didn't get the extra credit question right. right. So um... He's fine because he brought up Kobe. That's a great buffer. <laughs> That's, if you bring up Kobe, you know, then everyone's like, oh, okay, okay. When did Dow play the Kobe card? <laughs> Juan, Juan, real quick, we didn't do our, our, of our course, prediction for always. next week. Oh, okay. So, so you, this is for the road trip. What, what, so we got seven games, four in Arizona, three in, in Chicago. Okay. Uh, so uh, – Give us a, you know, we're going to add a new category. Then we'll have our guests do picks. Joey, uh, seven game road trip. What do you think the the final verdict wins and losses will be for the Dodgers on this road trip? Well, a good road trip is always, you know, you want to be around 500. Um, seven games. I think we can get four. We'll go four and three. Why not? All right. Uh, Princesa? You took my answer, Joey. I, I was gonna go four and three. <laughs> it's like uh, you're that's a good answer. <laughs> uh, Babyface, I'm gonna go five and two. All right. And I'm gonna agree with that, Princess and Joey. I'm going four and three myself. What? That's right. Oh, he's still feeling the high of <laughs> opening <go>. day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. There, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we want to thank uh, Joey for from Clutch uh, uh, from Clutch Points coming on the show and giving us uh, his thoughts on the Dodgers early in this season. Joey, uh, again, very uh, very grateful for you to coming on the show and and sharing your insights. Uh, for those of you who are stumbling across us on YouTube for the first time, uh, make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. You can catch up on past episodes and then you'll see future episodes. And if you just want to listen to us, you can always subscribe to the audio format of this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Uh, for this episode of the Bleed Loves Podcast, you will see those servidor de parte de mis colegas, Alicia Del Valle and Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Those Podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.